Welcome to the Property Nomads podcast. And here are your hosts, Rob Smallbone and Matt McSherry. Property reality, when shit goes wrong. Purpose of this episode was basically to not put a dark cloud over property, but we have to be real. People have to be realistic. Give you the true realities. Yeah, absolutely. People are... You know, you see all these different people that are kind of painting the picture that it's all rainbows, leprechauns, pots of gold, and so forth. And while that can be the case, the reality is there's, you know, there's some, are some aspects of the day-to-day grind that, you know, things will pop up um, and people aren't necessarily aware of these things because they're so ambivalent to them. They're so blinded by them because they're not, you know, they're, they're always sold a picture of X, Y, Z. So we've got a couple of lessons that we've learned really from our own experiences the first one we'll get the frog out of the way because it's the most challenging one of the lot is do not get your emotions involved i'll probably kick starters off with that one actually so uh, I've, i suppose i've recently had a um an experience of getting too emotionally attached to a certain deal um which in the end after a prolonged effort to try and get it over the line unfortunately it didn't work from a business standpoint therefore i had to pull out but because I was really emotionally attached to that particular deal and the vendor, it was really hard for me to let go. So although I was really trying my hardest to get this deal working, when it didn't happen, it hit me like a ton of bricks and I really felt terrible um, for, I felt as I dragged it on uh, when it should have been, you know, pulled out earlier. Um, so that was a prime example for me in a great learning curve that not in every situation, you, you can't help everybody and you've got to understand that. If it doesn't work from a business standpoint and it's not a win-win, then sometimes you've just got to walk away. So that was my biggest learning from that situation. Yeah, it's an absolute challenge, this one. And it's not just um, when you're dealing with you know, property sourcing or buying property and so forth. To an extent, if you can, you want to try and, I believe, try and get that into your personal life as well. And that's why, you know, Matt and I, we, we, this is why we work so well as a team is because you know, a lot of people say I'm, um, like a statue cold-hearted cold-hearted Swing very emotionless <laughs> that's blast down to you know learning and training myself to be that way when when buying property look at the numbers of the deal if it passed those requirements great you go ahead with it you know, yes it's always nice to have an offer accepted and, and so forth and it's always good to complete on, on a deal but you know you and i know from experience that you know the minute something like that happens that's just the process starting. So, yeah, so I think that's a very poignant example. It's not the easiest thing to do. Don't get us wrong. You know, we're all, I think we're all trained to an extent to be, to be emotional. When something goes wrong, you know, we get sad, we get upset. When, when something good happens, you know, we get, like, you know, we get elated and, you know, excited. But it is, I would say, lesson number one. This is why I put it at the top of the list. It's yeah. not the easiest. It's, it needs working on and, you know, again, this is again why we work so well as a team. You're more emotional on on, on many of things, and say so I'm, I'm like a statue. You can just find me at the Tate Modern. What a <laughs> I think it totally depends on, on a, a person's personality, the way they've been brought up. Mm. You know, I think me and you have been brought up very differently. Um, you know, we both have different practices or different activities we carry out to, especially me, especially for like the meditation side of things, and that helps ground me. Um, and if it wasn't for that. I think it'd be harder for me to control my emotions. So it's about having some sort of um, like activity or something that you can be drawn towards to help you um, with your emotions. But yeah, it, it can be quite a tough one because I think emotions are 
are really hard to get control of. But as soon as you master the art of being in control of your emotions, that's when you will really take, you know, your success to that next level. Right, I shall have written a couple of um, a couple of books that I'd, I'd recommend on that uh, Stoic philosophy. Without a shadow of a doubt, uh, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Definitely, we've recommended that before. I think on the yeah. podcast, definitely recommend it. Uh, also, um, Seneca's um, Letters from a Stoic, or Stoic. Yeah, I think it's Stoic. Stoicism. I, I've never figured out actually how quite to say, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, Seneca Letter from a Stoic. Again, definitely recommended. That's a bit more in depth reading uh, as well. And as, as Marcus, I think, says, you know, anything that happens in our lives is objective. So any event is objective. But our, the way that we take that and perceive that is subjective. So we can't necessarily control the objective things that happen, but we can certainly control the subjective way we react. Yeah. Hence, taking emotions, you know, out of property difficult, but work on it. Yeah, and I think that is the biggest one essentially. Because as soon as you move past that, then you know things will get a lot easier for you. Other things, another thing, another key thing that we've learned: time management. Yeah. How important is time management in, in property? And again, the property business life, we're covering all three aspects here. I mean, wow. Yeah, it's very, very, very important. And as soon as you can get on top of that, then one, people will start or stop um, utilizing, or, or, or I don't want to say wasting time, but I suppose it is essentially wasting your time. Because if you give your time up freely, uh, then people are going to take advantage of that, especially if you've if you're um, in a limelight in a, in a particular niche, and everyone wants to speak to you, everyone wants a bit of your pie. You know, it's it's all about compartmentalizing your diary and systemizing your diary so that you get the most out of the day as possible, and you're very productive. Totally agree with you on that, and it's regimenting it's regimenting your diary to have that routine as such, and not wasting your time. You know, we, for example, we record podcasts in a, th- normally, normally we'll record and, and do content and whatnot in a three hour slot in the week. That's how we do it because we know that in those three hours, I mean, how many hours are in a week? 168, I think it is. Yeah. So if you're doing that and you're doing three hours a week on producing content and recording videos and so forth, that's, that's nothing in the grand scheme of things. It's very easy to get sidetracked. By, by, you know, whether it's you watch something on TV or you got, you know, you're on Facebook and you're trying to do eight different things at once because you're pretending to be an octopus, you know, if you're doing eight <laughs> things at once. So, yeah, having effective time management, again, it, it takes time. And as we said, and our man Goggins, David Goggins says, you know, 66 days to form a habit. It's not easy. These are all mental tests. But you can get a lot more done if, you, if your diary's a lot more efficient. Yep, and I suppose that uh, goes back to our previous episode about the books, The Compound Effect. Um, and I think that was on the uh, the seven books that we uh, recommended for you guys. I just, just had a cat in the background there. <laughs> hey, we're recording. We're, we're doing this one in your house. We're, we're having a bit of a change. So yeah, the cat, I think the cat needs feeding. We'll, we'll sort that out. Don't worry about it. It's fine. He's fine. <laughs> that cat. That cat, I'll tell you. Come on. Shift. So number two, time management. Time management is can be a challenge and it's very broad as well yeah absolutely what we mean by this is if you I know you're recording podcast content you're viewing properties you're speaking to buyers you're speaking to vendors you're trying to read and listen to books you're going to the gym you might have a job as well so trying to juggle all these different aspects can be quite challenging 
especially if you've got no focus. I and mean, we've covered definitely covered that on on previous episodes as well. I so. think as well, it's, it's about reverse engineering from 168 hours per week, and how many how many how many uh, hours you've got in a day. You know, how many hours in that day do you sleep for? How many hours of that day do you work for if you've got a full-time job or a part-time job? And kind of reverse engineering it and finding out how much time you've got actually free because you'll be surprised how much time you actually have free than what you actually first initially thought. So it's about compartmentalizing your time to get the most out of your day and to be most productive as well. Yeah, I mean, for example, we record a lot of the podcast content that we're producing now and that we produced previously. You know, we normally do in a three-hour slot in the week and you see 168 hours in a week three hours out of that that's nothing because it's compartmentalised it's okay it's, it's one thing having it compartmentalised and having the discipline to go and do it is a completely different that is the biggest thing it's discipline thing. and the consistency as well like you said the way me and Rob work if it's in the diary we do it there's no excuse if someone rings up and says yeah are you free this day blah 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 if it's in the diary and we've got something else going on then that's that's where the consistency comes in can't get my words out uh, and the discipline comes in uh, to stick to it. Because, and it's worked for us. It's worked really well for us. Uh, granted, because I do obviously sourcing sometimes, if I've got to be out of a uh, hole here and there for certain particular meetings, I can only be on that specific day. Then yeah, we can juggle it a little bit, but they're very few and far between. We do usually, you know, 99.9% of the time stick to it and it works really well for us. And it feels good as well, the fact that you've disciplined yourself to stick to it. Well, we've also got diaries synced as well. So, yeah. you know, you, you and I both know. And, and again, if you say if you've got business partners and whatnot, look at syncing your diaries. We've got our personal ones synced with the business ones and vice versa. So, you know, you know that if something pops up, you can easily look at the diary, see what I'm doing and go, cool, we can fit that in for this time. Because I'll see it on the same diary as well. So, yeah, time management, all these little tips, you know, syncing diaries, blocking out your time, you know, working in in our chunks and so forth, working how much free time you, you think you've got and how much time you have got, working out how much time you, you know, you might, you know, waste. And I say that, you know, with the inverted, um, you know, commas, brackets, whatever, you know, you might end up, what you might find that you've spent 15 hours a week watching rubbish on TV. You know, if you spend three or four hours a week watching, I don't know, documentaries and so forth, it's a, it can be a good use of time because you might find that inspirational. Yeah. But easier said than done. Yeah, no, 100%. So um, another one, which is our number three, is always see a builder's work beforehand. So if you're looking for, you know, to build your power team and you're in your, you know, your gold mine area, your chosen strategy area, um, then you need to find a, a, a reputable builder and you can see their work and, you know, have a look what the quality of their finish is like. Yeah, there's too many stories out there about people that are doing renovations, doing this, doing that, but haven't seen the builders work. And then they're wondering it's a blind why it's a blind. not going. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. So this is not this is something we put this in here purely. It's not something we've experienced personally. We'll hold our hands up on that, but from being in various communities and speaking to different people that have experienced that, it always comes down to the same thing that they've not done enough networking or whatever with the builder and they're wondering why it's going wrong. So you definitely need to always see some examples of a builder's work, whether that's going to the property itself. If you don't live in your investment area, ideally Skype calling or doing a Zoom or something like that, that might help. You know, getting to know getting to know your power team as well. It's about building them relationships at the end of the day and you know and, and gaining that trust because at the end of the day if it's going to be something that's 
happening on a regular basis and you're going to be using a builder's uh, services, then you, you do need that, that trustability and, and respect to be able to work with them moving forward. So always do your due diligence, always see the work because you do hear the horror stories and this is the harsh reality of property investment, unfortunately. You know, it's not all roses. It, you have to give the bad points as well. You know, sometimes some people are unfortunate to, to have a, a kind of a ripple effect and they just seem to be having bad builders around them at all times. But this can be mitigated from the onset if you just do your due diligence on them. Yeah, and this, this is about, you know, when shit goes wrong. So yeah, exactly. You know, shit, shit can go wrong. You know, we've had times where, you know, cutting back onto all three that we've discussed so far, we've had times when emotions have been involved as we've discussed. We've had times when our time management, we've, you know, one of us has missed a meeting or so forth because th- that level of communication has not been there between us and that happens. Same with, you know, this one's taken from different people's experiences, granted, but, you know, this can go wrong. Another thing that can go wrong, you know, number four, is getting the wrong tenant in. Yep. Yeah, and, and that happens. You hear, at the end of the day, to be fair, it doesn't matter if your house is worth £25,000 or, you know, £10 million. If you've got the wrong tenant in that's going to cre- create havoc, chances are shit is going to go wrong. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, you might have people trash a property. You might have people um, not pay their rent. You might have people that do both. Yeah. To be, to oh, there's be a, a common thing which I seem, uh, seem to see over the new year period um, was people who had... Uh, SA units um, and service accommodation serve, for those who don't know what yeah, that is service accommodation um, they had people having house parties in their their units uh, and the units got absolutely trashed and then they were left with probably a good few thousand pounds worth of damage you know so these are the again the harsh realities that, that people do face um, especially you know around New Year's and places like that because people just want somewhere to have a party yeah, and a lot of it's getting your contracts right as well, your tenancy agreements as well, getting your service agreements yep. sorted. And it's all, it's all learning curves. And at some point, you know, yes, there is that, you know, that level of your, your bookings if you're doing SA or, or your tenants if you're doing buy-to-lets. You know, they're effectively, say, funding our lifestyle, but it's about working with each other. Yeah. Because without, from a landlord's perspective or an investor's perspective, without having tenants effectively you're probably not going to have a business yeah with one way or another uh so the tenants are the lifeblood and it's working with each other but you know yeah and again it comes down to the relationship doesn't it you know if you've got good relationships with the local lettings and management company yes they're going to make sure that they vet all the the tenants uh, and get the right tenant into that particular property and then you know manage the property um so on and, and, and make sure there's no issues moving forward so again it's building the right relationships and making sure that you know go out there and interview the, the lettings and management team you know and to see if they're you know ticking all the boxes of what you're looking for you know look for testimonials because that's how you're going to essentially find out if they're good at what they do so again it comes down to the relationships yeah no, some just on that some at some point as well you know all of our circumstances in life change you know some people will lose their jobs some people uh, might have a family bereavement they take it really badly but, I mean, I assume you take a family bereavement badly anyway. But some, you know, for some people, you hear you know they get a term for the worst, and this could be one of your tenants. So there are always going to be extenuating circumstances. Point being that at some point in your property career, uh, you're going to have a bad tenant, and you're probably at some point going to have to go to court uh, in order to get them, you know, evicted and so forth. But this this is why we put money away for um, void periods or, or extra, you know, maintenance. It's, um, 
You've always got to have yeah. a contingency. Without a shadow of a doubt. And I think that's a, another little lesson um, that I've taken away from my own experiences mm-hmm. is when moving forward, you know, with a particular project, you've always got to think about the negatives that potentially could go wrong and solve it before it happens. Because then at least then if something does happen, it's already been solved and you know what to do. So as, as negative, as, uh, negative as that may sound, it's always good to have, you know, an exit strategy. It's always good to have a, a plan if we get bad tenant. It's always good to have. It's always good to have them backup plans in place, so you're solving a negative situation before it happens. Yeah. But moving on to number five, which is about getting gazumped. So there's going to be points in in time where you'll put a bid on a property, gets accepted, and then right at the last, someone might outbid you. Now, to my understanding, that does not happen in Scotland because of the way the process is done. It's done differently, so you cannot, at the time of recording, that cannot happen in Scotland is my understanding but certainly in England and Wales it happens to myself and it's one of those experiences it's, it's an absolute pain in the ass um, that might relate to number one with getting your emotions involved because you think you're nearly there you're nearly getting your property and you know out of nowhere it gets taken away from you more than likely at some point when you're buying property you will get gazumped now until that legislation and law changes it happens it's not a nice feeling but it happens, and, and and that is that is reality. So, yeah. But also, that's what happens if you try and buy with your emotions. Sometimes you're going to overbid, and, and so forth. But um, yeah, not a pleasant experience that I've, I've I've had for sure. But something that does happen. Yeah. So uh, that takes us on to number six, which is um, Japanese not weed. <laughs> so it's an interesting thing. <laughs> it's a common thing, which which is uh, especially in Hull, actually. Uh, there's a few few places in Hull which seem to be uh, affected by Japanese knotweed. It's easily treated though, um, but I suppose my experience uh, from this was that we got a, a deal over the line uh, with uh, an overseas investor and they were paying cash. Um, and what we found is when they were looking to put mortgage and refinance the property, um, they went round and they actually found that it had Japanese, Japanese knotweed. Now, we didn't see this because it was a very small area that was affected by it, uh, but that then affected the mortgageability of that property. So it was then valued at zero, mm. which was an absolute nightmare. But then we managed to get around that by getting the experts in to come and obviously get rid of it uh, to start treating it. But again, it's a long, it's a it's a thing that happens over a long period of time. Um, but because that's been started now and we've got a, st- a certification of it. Um, he's able to get a mortgage now but again it's them little things it's shit does go wrong and little things like these do go wrong so it's about having uh, things in place that if you do come across Japanese not weed that you've got the systems and processes in place that you can get that sorted straight away yeah and you said talking of talking of not weed is so the Victorians when they were building all the railway embankments and whatnot um, actually you know, spread all these different seeds and whatnot to uh, strengthen embankments and um, that's where not weed comes from Basically, so it's quite an, an invasive species, uh, and also why in Hull we'll see the various train lines. And it probably might be the same where you are. That a lot of places that have not weed are backed onto the railway lines. That because that's why it all comes from the Victorians. It's quite an invasive species as well. So yeah, I've got a feeling it might be stronger than bamboo. I've got a, don't quote me on that. I've got a feeling that it is stronger than bamboo. So you know you can put some concrete on top of it, and it will go through the concrete. So that's why I'm not surprised the value in that case has plopped it on zero. As you said, there are remedies. Um, 
I think all the environmentalists will probably kill me when I say this, but you get a tin of diesel and burn it. <laughs> I don't think that passes uh, health and safety regulations, but yeah, if you do want to try that, that is a method. But he's, but he's one of the, apparently one of the best ways to actually, is get rid of it. Your neighbours might have something to say, as you yeah. say. Um, so yeah, you can always put diesel on it. But we're, we're, we're starting to find that lenders are being more, certainly when I started investing, that lenders were more reluctant to do anything with it. And it's still quite dangerous. We're not saying... We're certainly not saying go out and buy property that's got knotweed. Speak to your power team. You know, those properties can create opportunities. We're not saying go out and buy them just because it's got knotweed. Because, you know, lenders are still being funny with it, and rightly so. Again, get the right lender, get the right broker, have the knowledge on, on what to do, get it treated, get the right certifications, you know, and that should certainly give you an advantage um, in terms of maybe putting a cheeky offer on a property that has it. But yeah, uh, we're not we're not saying uh go out and buy it just because it's got not we don't hold us responsible for that as of anything you do your homework um, but yeah very poignant admittedly it's a bit difficult to describe exactly what not looks like i say google it yeah well i think even when you put it on google you get so many different images because it's not one particular look it's you get so many different types of knotweed, um and that's why it kind of um threw us back as well because the, what it actually was we didn't even think it was not weed we just thought it was just a little plant um, so yeah, so it, it's about just having these um, having these issues um, at the back of your, your mind with, with any kind of deal that you're moving forward with, just to have some sort of process in place if these things do happen. Yeah, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Moving on to number seven would be always have contingency money available. Um, now the reason to say that, <laughs> I remember the first refurb that I've ever done was uh, bought, a, bought a two bedroom property, mid-terrace property in Hull, um, decent property, so forth, but it needed refurb and whatnot. <laughs> I remember the the joist needed, we didn't realise this at the time, first property, you, know, you, you learn a lot from your first one. The joist needed replacing, they were a little bit, uh, a little bit rotten. But I do, I do remember the builder going around and um, the guy, I, I kid you not, this guy must have been 20 stone on a ladder straight through the floor Ooh. straight through the floor now i put that down to uh his rotundness shall we say to be politically as, as best as possible i put it down to his rotundness and not necessarily the joyce oh it could be down to discipline maybe possibly um, i did laugh uh, in fact the guy laughed at the time so i won't before i waffle on i won't uh he was fine <laughs> there, were, there were no injuries sustained or anything like that we did all, everyone had a bit of a chuckle about it and how so was forth. the floor though that had to be replaced. Yeah, that's a. I mean, it, yeah, it was it was quite an experience. Uh, point of point of that though, we weren't aware that Joyce needed a place at the time. They cost an extra, well, I think it was twelve hundred or so to get you know the whole lot done, and luckily we budgeted for that. So whenever you get your refurbs or or so forth, give yourself a contingency as well because surprises do happen, and especially when you're renting out property as well. Yes, you're going to have your management fees, you're going to have your mortgage, if you've got a mortgage on your property and so forth. Put an extra, we call it a MO account, put an extra 10, 15% in the MO account. That's monthly operating expenses. If a little bit of maintenance needs doing, we always put that in the reserve account. And that way, you know, across, you know, properties, that's going to build up over time. Nine times out of 10, nothing, there's not going to be any issues. But when your boiler might need replacing or when something needs a new kitchen or something needs a lick of paint, you can dip into that, that reserve money 
and utilize that rather than be on constant. It amazes me that so many people are always on almost like constant panic mode that this needs doing, that needs doing, and they've not got the money. If you're building the pots of money sensibly, it should really be an issue. So that's definitely something we've learned from, from various refurbs is to have a contingency. Yeah, so I think that's, uh, I mean, we've only touched the surface. I mean, there's so many, you know, harsh realities to property investments. Um, but yeah, we've, we've kind of just touched the points that, you know, we, we've found a, a common theme um, for all the people that we've spoke to at networking events and, you know, for our own experiences. So, uh, so we hope that's, you know, give you some sort of value um, and just kind of showcased um, some of the issues that can go wrong and some of the shit that can go on essentially. So... Uh, as a bonus we should put in their mindset so having the right mindset in general to be fair not just property because I, when I'm speaking to people people are speaking to us and you know when when stuff's going wrong it's because they mentally set themselves up for it to go wrong yeah. you know they believe that you know this refurb is going to cost an extra five grand or you know that that value that value is going to give a down valuation on a property or this is going to happen that's going to happen and people are full of negativeness and so forth if you flip that over and you're consistently positive and you have this belief you know you have this law of attraction as such that you know stuff's going to happen and it's going to be you know for the greater good that that will come back and reward you yeah 100% it's definitely you receive what you give off so if you're going to give positivity chances are you're going to attract it you know if you're going to give off negativity chances are you're going to attract that as well so it's all about um, understanding how positivity can bring you good stuff as long as you are consistent with reinforcing yourself with that positivity yeah, and it's not something you're going to work on for 30 minutes and job done. It's, it's a lifetime of learning. Yeah. Because you have to keep, you have to be consistent with it. You're going to have, and it comes down to the purpose of this episode, is, you know, yes, property, when it's working properly, etc., is great, but it's not all rainbows, leprechauns, pots of gold. It's just not. There are going to be times and things that happen that you have to mentally be prepared for, and it's how you react in those moments that will shape your future or shape your destiny. Yeah, it's about being in control of your emotions, as we said at the beginning, the number one. So being in control of your emotions and don't let your emotions take over you. Without a shadow of a doubt, should we do a quick summary? Because we told the summaries are really good. So property reality, when shit goes wrong, what we've learned, number one, do not get your emotions involved. Number two, time management. Poor systems can really screw you up. Get your time management sorted. Three, always see a builder's work beforehand. Number four, bad tenants, they will happen, they will occur. Just make sure that you build the right relationships with that as well. Absolutely. And the same as a builder as well, do your due diligence. Spot on. Number five, getting gazumped, it's probably going to happen, get over it. Number six, Japanese knotweed, know what it is, deal with it effectively. Have a contingency in place as well, just in case. And always have, again, part of your power team someone who you can call if something was to go happen as a contingency yeah and if you use diesel don't blame me <laughs> number seven have a contingency in general whether that's for your refurbs or whether that's for something you know rainy day funds or whatever always have a contingency and that bonus is getting your mindset right as well have the right mindset work on your mindset listen to the previous episodes we've done and go from there what you perceive to believe the mind will conceive that's like poetry there you go where do you get that from? You just make it up. I believe that's from The Secret by, is it Rhonda Byron? I believe it is. Rhonda, or Rhonda Byrne, maybe. Rhonda Byrne, one, maybe. one of the two, yeah. yeah. Check it out. We'll get a link in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. But definitely go check that one out. As ever, find us on the socials. If you've got a way that you'd like to see the podcast improve, there's a topic you want us to talk about, feedback, go on to iTunes, Stitcher, so forth. Uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review, that would be much 
appreciated. We're here to help and serve you as best as we can. And it's all about working with each other, working with your feedback. You know, it, it is valuable. And it's, uh, thank you for being there for us. And uh, hopefully the content is useful and, and pragmatic. And we do really appreciate it. And um, yeah, just thanks for your time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your support. And we'll uh, we'll catch you on our next episode. So all the best. Avida's in. Thank you very much. Take care, guys. See you next week.